0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've recently been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm your co-host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, founder of Brightly.Eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small, and our team of experts show you how to consume and shop responsibly by recommending world-changing products, brands, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the world-changing goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by PodPronto, our podcast editing service. If you're looking for friendly, fast, and efficient podcast editing, you should check out podpronto.com. It's hard to believe that this year is almost over, and it's even more mind-blowing that we're also closing out a decade. We can all agree that it's been quite a banner year for advancements in the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement, whether we're talking about the rise of Marie Kondo or the banning of plastic straws. There's also been some setbacks, however, like in the fight against climate change, and more information than ever is coming to light about issues like recycling, fast fashion, and more. As a matter of fact, we have so much information to share with you that came out over this past year that we're making this a two-part episode, and we'll release part two next week. Lisa and I invited Alden Wicker to weigh in on the top ethical and sustainable stories of 2019 alongside us. Alden is an investigative journalist, ethical fashion expert, and founder of ecocult.com, one of the top sources for in-depth reporting on everything eco-friendly. Alden is also one of our brightly.eco partners and has written a piece or two for our platform, which you can watch for more to happen soon. And we're thrilled to have her years of expertise on our side as we wade through the top themes of 2019. Before we get into the podcast, we also want to highlight a question from you, our community. One of our Good Together listeners, Courtney, called in and asked us a question about recycling that I'm pretty sure everyone wants to know the answer to. Let's hear from Courtney now.
1: Hi, this is Courtney. I am currently living in Denver, Colorado, and I just started listening to the podcast. Um, I was wondering if you guys have encountered any research on the idea of bringing refillable containers, um, to stores for shampoo and conditioner and lotion and dish soap, any plastic container or there's normally um, some residue left on the inside of the container um, and things that are not normally repurposed. Um, I, I was thinking about this recently, like in the similar to a growler, how you can take that to um, like a bar or a brewery or a, you know, some grocery stores have it where you go and you fill up and you pay by the ounce and you can bring that home. And then it's your container that you can go back and refill it i'm hearing from courtney is that she'd like us to talk
0: briefly about what happens with recyclable containers that she buys potentially at costco full of shampoo
2: Yeah. All right. Quick tips. So, for one thing, I want to kind of preface this uh, brief conversation about is that as consumers, you know, we are asking a lot from consumers to you know be bringing containers uh, to the store or shipping them back or refilling them themselves. So, I am, and as we get more into this uh, into this topic, maybe in the future episodes, because you know there's a lot of research uh, needs to be done. I'm excited to see brands kind of making it as easy as possible for consumers uh, to, to. go through this process of using either glass containers, metal, not using plastic, um, maybe not having to refill it themselves, Um, you know, because we want, ultimately, we want as many people uh, to do it, and it has to be super, super easy. We're not that uh, there yet, but uh, let's see what options we do have.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, um, you know, one thing that we'll talk about more um, in, in this episode is that, Unfortunately, less than 10% of the plastic that we try to recycle gets recycled um, here in the U.S., which is a huge, huge bummer. Um, so what the, only, the, the main tip we have is to just cut down the amount of plastic that you use. And when you think about going to Costco and buying big things of shampoo in bulk, that's actually not a terrible idea. The bigger container that you can use, the better, because that cuts down on the amount of small containers that you'd use. Um, so... Buy that giant container if you can, um, you know, if if there's not, like, a glass or metal option, which, unfortunately, there's oftentimes not. Um, And then once you're done with that big bottle of shampoo try and reuse that container
2: for other purposes around your house, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what I usually do, this is pretty simple, I think. Um, So, you know, obviously all of us have this regular small containers for shampoos, for dishwashing uh, liquid. Um, And then when I have time or opportunity, I do go to Costco, buy this large container. And I just simply, uh, obviously you can't use the large container at home. So I just use the small original container and keep refilling it with, uh, you know, bulk Costco stuff.
0: Absolutely. and then, if you um, if you can buy from brands that do offer different solutions to this problem. So there's a few brands that we feature on the platform like Grove or Public Goods that offer these pouches that you can order. So you can like order a glass container from them and then they'll send you large pouches filled with um, dishwasher soap or shampoo, et cetera. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure how recyclable the pouches are, but it kind of goes back to the um, point that we made earlier around buying as big of containers you can. Um, And then the final tip we have before we get into the next episode is go to stores, if you're really passionate about this, go to stores that offer refill stations. Um, So like the Zero Waste Shop. um, Here in San Francisco, we have a store called Rainbow Grocery that offers it. Um, so, yeah, I've never done that myself, but there are more and more shops popping up that offer those solutions. And
2: something that Courtney mentioned is that, you know, it's a very similar like taking your growler to a brewery, right? Or uh, taking your um, milk bottle, the glass milk bottle to your milkman or your milkman, refilling it. And it's something we, it comes, this topic comes through a lot of our podcast episodes. Is it something we actually going back to what has been done before by our previous generations, right? It was natural to be bought buying milk from your uh, milkman and using the glass container refilling it Uh, maybe not it wasn't natural to um, be you know refilling your shampoo but all of the shampoo and beauty and cleaning products were natural at some point Uh, so a lot of times we're basically going back to what has been done before absolutely all right
0: If you're interested in having us answer a question you have about ethical and sustainable living, you can ask us one of two ways. The first way is to head over to brightly.eco slash podcast, scroll down and leave us a quick voice message like Courtney just did. Or you can also send us an email to hello at brightly.eco and we'll read it out loud. We love to get these questions and we're happy to get to the bottom of things we can all do to help make the world a better place. And with that, Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. All right. Well, we are thrilled to be kicking off the Year in Review podcast episode. Um, We've got myself, Laura, here uh, alongside Lisa and Alden Wicker of EcoCult. Um, So Alden, I wonder if you could just say hey and let the audience know a little bit more about yourself.
3: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I am a uh, sustainable fashion journalist and expert. I am the founder of EcoCult.com, which um, I just checked. It got 1.3 million uh, visitors so far um, in 2019. And That's uh, I also awesome. freelance. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. And um, I also freelance a lot. So you'll see me uh, most often at um, Vogue Business and uh, The Goods by Vox. But I always have other things in the works. Um, I will write about sustainable and ethical fashion for anyone who will take me. Um, And uh, yeah, so I I guess that about about sums it up. Yeah, that's awesome. And one of the
0: reasons, um, you know, we wanted to have Alden on the show is, you know, she's got just such a long history of really digging deep and asking the hard questions relating to a lot of the topics that come up in the industry. And I think... Um, you know, all the questions we're constantly getting from our community evolve. You know, they're they definitely I'm sorry revolve around um, greenwashing and, and a lot of misinformation out there. So we really appreciate Alden's um, willingness to be true
2: journalist. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm so. And I'm super excited, uh, you know, to welcome Alden on our podcast. Uh, Alden participated in Good Together Live, our first and only episode for now uh, that has been recording. I uh, recorded live at the event that we hosted um, what in October in San Francisco. But yeah, this will be a very loaded episode, and I think Alden is probably the best person to uh, to be um, the one discussing and digging deeper into details.
0: Yeah, so um we've got a lot to cover. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, and you know, so the way we're gonna run this is as we know, um twenty nineteen was a banner year for the ethical and sustainable fashion and lifestyle movement. Um obviously there were a lot of um, you know, current, you know, events that were happening that were helping to move the conversation forward. There were also a lot of things happening on the planet that you could definitely see as setbacks in terms of what's going on with the climate, etc. So what we want to do is kind of balance these different themes that we've come up with, um, you know, with positive sides of things and negative sides of things. So hopefully this is entertaining, informative, um, and is something that will, um, you know, produce conversation starters for you as you go out and you chat with your families. Um, So the first topic we wanted to talk a little bit about was... Um, you know, on a positive side of things, we wanted to talk about all of the wins for less waste. So there's a few things to unpack here. Um, one would be all of the uh, the straw bans, which I know that for some reason they're like kind of controversial in some areas. I don't know, but overall, I think people are really excited about. Um, the reduction of plastic straws and plastic bags worldwide. Like, did you guys happen to see chatter
2: uh, on that and on the interwebs? It's such a, like a, it seems like a tiny thing. Like, you know, we are banning straws, but I think it's, uh, uh, it got the PR and attention that it deserved. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was
3: impossible to miss it and i did see some of the backlash and what the backlash i saw around it revolved around two points one is that straws um in number in certain areas like if you're in the dominican republic you'll see a lot of them right there's tons of beachside resorts and so they seem like they're a huge thing um and then also you know it was kicked off by that one um video of it's been milled Viewed millions of times as the sea turtle with the straw up his nose. But in the large scheme of things, um, straws actually make up very, very, very little of plastic waste. And if we were going after the most impactful plastic, it might actually be ghost fishing nets um, that we would go after, or um, nurdles, which are like little plastic pellets that they make into plastic products that keep on getting like accidentally dumped overboard at, at the ocean. Um, so there's a lot of things that we could be going after, but for some reason, straws really broke out of the pack. And I think it's just because it's very, it's, it's very easy to understand and something that makes people feel empowered uh, to do yeah. something about the plastic problem.
0: Yeah, it's something that people run into every day. Um, you know, people very much are using straws in their, sh- in their drinks, and I feel like it is one of those small steps that people felt like they could use to make a big difference. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about on the less waste train, um, is the rise of Marie Kondo. So she had a huge year with her Netflix show coming out and becoming more of a part of the cultural conversation. And, um, you know, I, we've talked about Marie Kondo before on, on this podcast. I think her method of making sure people are being very conscious about what they're purchasing, um, hopefully purchasing less things and of course sparking joy um whatever that really means <laughs> um with items in your house is a really interesting um you know, way for people to think about making a difference. And, and it's probably presented in a way that was not, people hadn't thought about previously. Exactly.
2: I think you're right. Exactly, Laura, because I was just going to say like all of us, the ethical brands and uh, members of the, uh, you know, sustainability movement, we can take example from Marie Kondo because, you know, she didn't even try to portray it as, you know, she's like fighting for an environment or she's encouraging us to shop less. She's like, get rid of the stuff that doesn't bring you joy. It's a perfect Way to put it, and uh, before I give it, um, a chance to kind of uh, talk about it, uh, you know, just the documentary when it came out, uh, Thread Up, it's um, uh, a lot, it's an online thrift store basically. Uh, they have, um, the service that you can request a clean out kit to get rid of your, um. Clothes that you don't want uh, don't want anymore, just because of Marie Kondo's documentary, they uh, thread up saw a fifty percent increase in site tra- traffic since January when the documentary came out. So it was definitely a marketing success and uh, helped our movement quite a lot. I think. Well, did you see though that about two weeks ago she launched an
3: online store where you can buy yes. stuff that she loves.
0: Yes, we were just talking about that before we started recording. I think she's got that yeah. stick that's like $20 or something. I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, what what do you find particularly... Do you find that
3: problematic as well, Alden? Or, like, what do, you, what do you think about it? I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I think that she said she did it because people were asking her what they should buy. And so she felt like she needed to tell people. And if she was going to keep telling people, why not just put a store up? I think where it really bothers me is what it says about it bothers me that she got that question and I get that question a lot and sometimes I answer it, but most of the time, and you've seen me do this before, I will stop the person and I'll say, What if it's not about buying the right thing, but it's about just not buying it in the first place? And it's unfortunate that she's never come out and said that and now she's saying, like, yeah, if you just buy the right thing, then, you know, if, if everything you own that you bought brings you joy, like, that's going to solve the problem. When I know we've all had a thing where we thought something brought us joy and we were wrong.
2: Exactly. So, and I, yeah. I,
0: I totally agree with that. And I think... um you know we get this question a lot with brightly too um obviously like our our mission is to make sure people are empowered to be conscious consumers in a variety of ways and one of those ways is we do recommend brands and products for people to purchase but i think one of the things we often try and get across is yes the really the most sustainable thing to do is to not buy new things um and so you know, that I think is just such an, well, it's an easily said piece of advice. I wouldn't say it's an easy piece of advice to follow. And so, especially like in, in the holiday time frame when people really feel the need to purchase new things, I think there is power in, you know, purchasing the right thing if you need to buy something, which I know, of course, is, is um, you know, some of the work you've done with eco cult, eco cult. Um. So the last thing on the and the waste bucket I want to talk about was how some new um companies and brands are popping up that are creating items from new recycled materials. Um. So we, Lisa and I, are big textile nerds. I know you are too, Alden. Um. And I think one of the interesting things that we saw this year were a bunch of um, different materials coming up. So of course. There's been innovations in reusing recycled plastic, which, you know, is not a perfect solution to the plastic problem that we have, but it's, like, one way to potentially help offset some of the plastic waste that we have. Um, there's also been, um, you know, of course, this wasn't really new to 2019, but always, um, you know, we're seeing new innovations with, uh, like, fruit waste. So there's, like, pina techs, um and I know someone's trying to make fabric out of mushrooms, and so yeah, I mean, I think um, the more innovation we can see from startups who are tackling these problems from a really deep tech perspective is just really key. Um, and all Alden, I wondered if there was like another, um, you know, any type of innovation that you feel like really like stood out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, one of the ones that I'm most excited about um, is a, a material out of Finland. Um, it's called Infinitive Fiber. And- what it is is they can take almost a lot of different types of plant material, but they can take um, cotton and they can uh, recycle it into um, a cotton-like fiber. So as a consumer, you would never never be able to see the difference between regular cotton and this um, cotton that's made from recycled cotton. Because right now, if you physically recycle cotton so you chop it up, it it, it degrades the quality of the cotton. But this is like end to end. And it's actually carbon negative, um, which is very exciting. So that's one of the innovations I'm, I'm really, really pumped about. That's awesome. So
0: the next bucket is a negative spin on what we were just talking about. So we're gonna remember, we're trying to positive and negative. So one negative piece of information or bucket that kind of came out in 2019 was this this really realization that we as consumers have been pretty much lied to. Um, I mean, yeah, we've been lied to by, um, the powers that be around recycling. So we've all grown up, um, you know, being really excited about recycling. I think the seventies is when, um, you know, when we, as consumers here in the, in the States, at least got excited about recycling the issue. Um, and actually the New York times put out a really interesting video on this. So we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes that really summarizes the issue, but The issue is like less than 10% of the waste that we are sending to recycling, um, plants. So that means like after you've taken the time to put something in a recycling bin, so I'm not talking about all the other stuff that ends up just kind of in your trash can, but of that stuff you have sent to the recycling plant, less than 10% of it is actually getting recycled. And, um, you know, we used to, um, back in the day, we used to send recycling, um, uh, you know, bits and pieces overseas, like over to China, um, over to pl- parts of Africa, et cetera. And those places have actually now said, we don't want your waste anymore. Um, we can't handle it. So unfortunately, um, we're now starting to see local um, counties and local governments in the states actually suspend their recycling programs. So that's a bummer.
3: <laughs> it's, it's not great. We've seen this coming for a really long time, though. I mean, it's interesting because in Europe, they treat waste um, disposal, like responsible waste disposal, as a public good and a, a must do. Whereas I don't think a lot of people know, but in the United States, we treat it as a private sector thing. So what we do is cities aren't going, cities pay a lot of money to physically collect things, but then they try to make that money back by selling the waste. To various outfits to recycle it and then try to sell it onwards. And unfortunately, we're producing so much waste that it's worthless. Nobody wants it, and so that's that's the problem. And I think if we're going to fix this problem, we're going to have to fundamentally rethink the way we think of um, responsible waste reduction and recycling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's both the attacking the system. Um, you know that we. Used to recycle things, to your point. And it's also, as consumers, thinking about how can we create less plastic waste um, and you know there's all sorts of um all sorts of pieces there but lisa you want to get us started with another yeah. topic
2: yeah the next one let's do a positive one this time and um this has been all over the news just recently uh we will we're talking about the climate strike and of course uh greta thunberg uh, who just won uh, times person of the year and very mm-hmm. deservedly so um so greta is a 15 year old from sweden who uh literally started the climate strike movement right um which is also known as uh, Um, you know, School Start for Climate or Fridays for Climate, which is basically school children. Uh, It's an international movement, and they take time off from class to participate in demonstrations, to demand action to provide... Uh, to prevent further global warming um, and I was just wondering to myself as like um, you know obviously there's a lot of adults who have been doing that but uh, you need like this young generation uh, who are literally telling us to take action because it's um, you know they are the ones who will inherit this planet and I think this is probably why it got such um, virality. Uh, what's uh, your take on that Alden?
3: I think it's been really interesting because um, she's incre- Greta's incredibly compelling I also met other, or I talked to other climate activists this year that are from island nations, which are really going to suffer the most, um, low lying island nations. And there's been some chatter around why these people that are not from Sweden or the global north are getting ignored in this conversation, which is a really long topic to cover. But I think that um, anything that can be done to move people towards taking actual action in a concerted way for climate mitigation and, and um
2: trying to fix this problem the best way you can is a good thing absolutely and you are you're absolutely right too because global south is the one uh, the countries in the global south will be the one that will be hurt the most um uh, by climate unfortunately but yeah i agree with you Um uh, any way we can move the conversation and uh, action uh, start start getting on uh, taking actions super important and it's very time critical at this point. Um, Laura, you also wanted to talk about like Gen Z uh, um, efforts and like American Eagle getting involved for Giving Tuesday. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I mean, the Gen Z, of which none of us are <laughs> on this call, um, unfortunately. No, we're, we we would all be classified mostly as millennials or elder millennials. But um, yeah, Gen Z is really rising up to um, meet the the just urgency and the needs of just overall um, education and action as it relates to climate change. So of course Greta is a great example. I think she's technically Gen Z, not 100% sure, but she at least um, in, embodies their spirit. Um, but you know, we've seen a, a variety of reports come out by some of these um, consulting firms that are mentioning that Gen Z consumers are, very much willing to pay more for ethical and sustainably made products, which is great. Um, And they're also pushing on brands that have, you know, traditionally sat with that age demographic to do better. Um, And so one of those examples is American Eagle. Um, So I know we can all remember going and shopping at American Eagle when we were in high school, um, junior high, etc. And um, you know, I think just because of the demand of their customers, American Eagle actually just did a, a campaign to put, um, they put QR codes in t-shirts um, to help people donate to their favorite causes. And they did that in honor of Giving Tuesday. So that's just like one example. Um, you know, H&M, the um, H&M is always in hot water because of their role in fast fashion, which we'll we'll talk more about fast fashion in a while, but um you know, that the CEO of HM has said that he's worried about um, about Gen Z <laughs> um, <laughs> because he thinks it's going to impact his bottom line. And honestly, like Duh, all the fast fashion producers should be worried. Exactly. And um, as we would say in Texas, they should be quaking in their boots. Um, they really should. They should be. <laughs> well, that's really
3: through. interesting because I think I see two trends with Gen Z. Um, and and it's weird because it's like people never talk about them at the same time. But Yeah, you have them being activists, but you also have them um, contributing to the rise of brands like Boohoo and Misguided. So you have on the one hand, you have um, them talking about inclusivity, but sometimes I've I've heard the term inclusivity be turned against ethical and sustainable brands. Like your brand's not inclusive because it's out of my budget. Um, And so that's a tension that's at the heart of the, the conscious fashion movement, which is should everyone have access to this stuff and if they don't why not and um it's something that i think is going to come up again and again
0: yeah absolutely i think that's a great point around price um price consciousness of this of of this generation and everyone um and yeah i mean like what fashion nova like all this type of like throwaway fashion i think is always going to be something that um People who are, like, focused on being trend-forward are always going to be probably <laughs> the ones, um, thinking more about, like, uh, they should be thinking about fast fashion anyway. Um, so, Lisa, is that, um, is that about what we wanted to chat about with the climate uh, yeah. strike and, yeah, and the, the youths? The,
2: <laughs> last, the last part about the climate for this episode of kind of year overview is, you know, uh, why Greta is the person of the year, uh, why, uh, you know, school children are, uh, you know, coming out and uh, taking time away from classes because of the climate emergency, right? Um, I noticed you, um, Laura, uh, you know, climate emergency is the word of 2019 uh coined by oxford dictionary
0: yeah i mean i
2: i was just again with lisa
0: and i like to do a lot of research before these episodes and i was just trying to find a few interesting tidbits and yeah oxford dictionaries came out and said uh climate emergency is the year uh, is the uh, word of the year in 2019 which is is just really interesting um i think Obviously, there's been quite a few natural disasters that have been coming up, um, you know, particularly like droughts, some things that we can, you know, very much point to um, climate change being the cause of. Um, I think, you know, we, Lisa and I live up here in um, Northern California where there were some really, really bad fires um, and we were personally affected by like the smoke. But that was where we are affected. Um, That's where our... um, you Know, inconvenience stopped. Obviously, there were, mi- there's just so many people who are unfortunately lost their homes, lost their livelihoods. Um, and of course, you can also think about what's been happening in Australia in the past few months around their um, bushfires and you know the impact on koalas. So, um, you know, I, I do think there's, and there, of course, and I think Alden is probably very familiar with this and, and more than willing to talk about it, but I know there was also. A consortium of scientists who got together and said, hey, guess what, world? Um, uh, We are really at a tipping point with with climate change, and we've got to do something about it. And it was a very bleak report, um, to be honest. So yeah, that was a lot to take in.
3: Yeah, it was pretty terrifying. I mean, every day I see new headlines about how uh, methane is being released from the Antarctic, Um, the ice shelves are (laughs) falling into the ocean, Um, and we're going to start down this uh, path towards a uh, feedback loop. So, more ice melts, more methane released, climate warms up more, more ice melts, um, sea levels rise. It's I, And I've also seen that apparently we've been predicting this incredibly accurately for the last 30 years. Um, the climate models have been accurate. The only thing that the climate models got wrong is that they actually thought we might be releasing more carbon. And so, Um, but, but they've been accurate. Like we know, we've known what's going to happen for a really long time.
0: Yeah. And I love that you use word terrifying because it's absolutely the one I would use to describe it as well. And especially the, the fact that we have been accurate at predicting this is such a key thing for just, just like stop and think about, because I think one of the ways that we have been allowed to continue on this path of, um, you know, of ruining the earth, basically, has been there's a trend to try and discredit the way that scientists do models or just data in general. I think we everybody has run into somebody at some point in your life that's like, well, we could slice the data five ways and don't try and be um, fooled by someone who is is telling you figures in the wrong way. And yeah, that's true. People do manipulate numbers to tell specific stories. We should always be thinking um, critically about, you know, things that are presented to us. That being said, um, they were right. The scientists were right. And I think, um, you know, we need to think more about giving voice to these types of um you know, whistleblowers um, that are really trying to help nature. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a bummer. Um, I mean, you know, I hate to be cal- cavalier by saying that, um, but it, it absolutely is um, disheartening to hear that information. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, can't
2: even say much more about it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, we have hope and Greta and the next generation, and that's, uh, you know, uh, keeping it positive and actually doing something about it. You know, I, I think we're the right path. Alden, Lisa, and I will be back next week
0: when we release the second part of this episode, where we discuss even more ethical and sustainable news trends that we saw in 2019. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. While you're visiting, don't forget to join in on the conversation by leaving us a question through voicemail or giving us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all the social channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder, every day is a chance for you to create change and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.